You are now listening to the Claim It podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me, and we get into the journey of their lives, why they do what they do, and how they got there, and much more, because I believe that our feelings of being successful, enough, worthy, fulfilled, are not out there somewhere. Once I have this, do this, be this, then I'll feel it. If you keep putting it outside of yourself, you'll keep on chasing it. It is up to us to claim it every single day, sometimes every moment of the day. On today's episode, I have Exandria Weil. I discovered her on social media. She has an account called Foster Youth Empowerment. And I, as soon as I saw the account name, I was intrigued because honestly, I don't think much about the foster care system and the people in it. And so I wanted to talk to her to see where this came from, that she runs this account and what, why she's passionate about it and what she is doing with it and just learn more about a person in general that's doing that work. So I loved talking to her and let's get right into the episode. All right. So I like to start pretty much at the beginning, like learning about what was life like for you growing up and then like getting into like teenage years. Like what was that like? And it can be different for many of us, but I feel like also teenage years is where a lot more pressure comes on about like, okay, what am I going to do next? Like work? Do you have dreams of what you're going to do or where you're going to go to college? Is college forced on you? Is that something you want to do? You have no interest in that. So yeah. So let's talk with growing up. Oh, so you want me to start with teenage years? Or <laughs> well, you can start earlier than that and talk about a little bit of what it was like growing up for you or just go straight to teenage years. Um, For me growing up, while I was raising a single parent home with my mom, low income, I knew it, but I know my mom didn't want me to know it, but our family was a huge support to each other. So it was never lacking in love. I think because for me, when I was younger and still to this day, I lacked, I had low self-esteem, no confidence at all. And I know that that stemmed from elementary where I used to get, well, I was bullied a lot by boys. And I didn't know why I got called ugly because I was going through puberty. I had a whole bunch of acne. So, and because I was I dark-skinned as well, so just dealing with that. And then when I go into my teenage years, I just, I'm a quiet person. And I always thought about people, what they would say about me. I always cared about what others thought of me versus me just being myself. And I don't know why that is. And I'm glad that I'm starting to go to therapy for it because that's something I need to figure out. So with teenage, I always knew that I wanted to help others. Like that's just my passion. I want others to succeed, go beyond what they envision, um, go for their goals and know that they're obtainable. So my goal was always, well, my mom always instilled in me, go to college, (laughs) go to college, go to college. So I went to and had college. she gone to college? Huh? Had she gone to college? She did while she was raising me and my brother. Wow. Yes, yes. Good for her. And um, she went to school for psychology, and it sucks. Like, there's nothing wrong with factory work, but I think it was instilled in me and her. You go to college, you get a 
great career, but that's really not the case. Like you're going to get this high right. paying job. That's like what you do. You go to college, you get out, you have a secure job for the rest of your life. Like that's what we're all, that's why I talk about this. Cause so often that's just like what's in our heads. Mm-hmm. You go to college and everything's going to be great for the rest of your life. You're going to be taken care of. That's what I thought. Cause that's what my mom and my family told me all the time. And that was not the case at all. Um, I think I answered your question. I don't know. Yeah. I need to go no, it's good. More. I'll go back in. I mean, I think, you know, I first have to acknowledge you. I mean, the fact that you're now like looking back and seeing that, you know, and even questioning, like, I don't know why I was making so much more of what other people thought about me than me. That's huge, by the way. Mm-hmm. Most people in all of their adulthood life, <laughs> 60s even, you know, like later are still living their lives that way and don't know it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we are like that. too is just like part of society that we're put so much pressure on. Like, what does everybody else think about me? And that's what I'm all about. Like, what do you think about? You? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course, you know, with respect, compassion to other people. But like the most important thing, we're always so worried about what other people are going to think. And like, yeah, like, what do I think? So. That's awesome that you're now seeing that bit, and also but talking not to as bad as it was. Yeah. And I, th- I think as humans, we're all going to suffer with <laughs> layers of it. But just getting back to, you know, you just get better at like, whoa, whoa, whoa where am I going here? <laughs> 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 um, so then, yeah. So did you gr- go to co- end up going to college? Yes, I went to. Do you want me to shout out my college? I don't know. You don't have to, but like, where? What did you? And also, you said you knew you wanted to help people. Like, but did you just go? Okay, I'm going to go to college and figure it out. Did you have an idea of what that was going to look like? I wanted to work with at-risk youth. That's always been the goal. I wanted to go back to my community and show them, like, oh, this can be done. You can go to college. You can do it. I did it, too. Don't let your circumstances define you. That was always in my head. That was my vision, and I wanted to work in the criminal justice system because I felt, in my opinion, like there was a lot to be done there, like a lot needs to change within the criminal justice system. So I went to um, UW South, um, University of Wisconsin South, and I took a vocational rehabilitation. Um, that was the focus there. And then I transferred to University of Wisconsin Parkside to be closer home because I thought I wanted to be away from my mom, but I did not want to be far away. So, and then I majored in criminal justice. And yeah, it took me four and a half years. I thought it was going to be four, but it took another semester. <laughs> That's still great, though. And um, and why did you, you know, you said you knew that the, you felt like the criminal justice system was unfair and stuff like that. Was that, did you have personal experience with that or the way, you know, in your own growing up? Um, I mean, also, I wonder if it's just, you know, like me thinking back, yeah, I have white skin. I was privileged. I went to white Catholic all girls school. Of course, I saw injustice in the world, but mm-hmm. I wasn't. Uh, I, I mean, I wasn't thinking about those things. I'm just gonna be honest there. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, yeah, that's the reality. I was real worried about myself. <laughs> I will say because when I, I always say I was different when I was younger. I'm very into 
Black history. Like I've always been that way. In sixth grade, I was reading um, Angela Davis's autobiography. Like, and reading that, but also I was very into, I forget what it's called, but they're still around where they um, free people that have been wrong. The Innocence Project. I don't know if yeah, you've heard yeah, of yeah. Yeah, he, there was a movie that. made about it fairly mm-hmm. recently, right? Is it Brian? It's Brian something. I should know, but I don't. It's Brian, but it's Brian. It's Brian something. Yeah. Um, and so I used to read about those wow. cases. I'm just like, this is, this can't be. Yeah, the I just found out about this uh, in 2020. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> this is just so messed up. Yeah. Again, just being honest, you knew about this when you were in school. But yeah, I saw that and then I was just, I wanted to be a lawyer. I, that was how I was going to change things. But then I just decided against it. I think I still want to be a lawyer, but decided against it because of the finances, unfortunately. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, if you really want it, you mm-hmm. can make it happen. It's a lot of loans and shit, but it's <laughs> worth it if that's what you want. <laughs> I told you it was going to be like talking to a friend you don't know. <laughs> a new friend. Okay, so graduated college, studied what you wanted to. And then what happened? Were you able to get a job and what you wanted right away? I'm guessing that's not, I'm guessing that's probably, I don't know anything about it, but was that, I'm guessing if you do get a job easily, it's probably not one that's super like sustaining financially or no. I did a job right away after I graduated and I'm still with them to this day. Oh, awesome. Doing, um, foster youth empowerment. And it was working at a detention center with at-risk youth. And let me tell you, they taught me a lot. (laughs) You think you're ready, but you're not ready. Because I feel like college, like I did a lot of internships, but it did not prepare me for what I was about to see. But I'm so glad that I got that. I'm so happy that I got that position because I learned a lot of new things that were going on. And I always say that... um, I don't know if we can talk about religion on here, but I I go like, yeah, I, talk about whatever I, you want. I feel like he put me in a position to be in that because I needed to be there. I really in I really, really need to be there. Like it was tough. I cried some days, but it definitely toughened me up. And I got to see the inside of a juvenile detention center. And then they transferred. And a de- to detention a- center, a juvenile detention center, is that pretty much jail is detention center like for, holding um youth but so, that's what i'm saying like but so they just call it detention center yeah but it's basically so yep. if pretty somebody much. committed a crime but they were under 18 they will go there the detention yep. center and so what were you doing there when you first started um we would do groups with um you youth. <laughs> And we did, they were in like, a program. Like t- like talking to them and trying to work with them like through the problems or something? Um, how can I explain it? The judge was sentenced them to the program that I was um, coordinating. And in this program, um, if they completed it within three months, they got released early versus doing serving a year. So it was to teach them 
self-control, um, community involvement, because it was like one phase one, you get to go to a movie within the detention center with food and stuff that they usually don't get. Phase two, you get to go out into the community to go to school. You get to do community service projects. And then phase three, which I think was like two weeks, um, you get to go home on the weekends for three days to be with your family. And then you get to go home if you complete all the phases. And then that's it. So it was just like an early release, early release program option. But they have to show up and like do work that's showing that they are like trying to like learn, grow, change. So I make up people are handling this in different ways. Like people are probably like a resistant to do it or is everybody showing up like, yes, please transform me. You know, I make up they're in there. Then they're like not liking you. Don't want to listen to you. The kids will change when they want to change, honestly. And then, you know, some of them, they know how to work the system. Let me just do this so I can go home. They know what they need to right. do and they'll do it. Right. Then there's others that do resist. And I have my experience with that. There's a lot of resistance. Yeah. So it wasn't all like butterflies and roses all the time. And there you really have to stand. I'm breath. changing lives. They're like, no, you're like, probably. Yeah, it's a lot. I guess. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I'm so thankful for the experience because I don't even know how I would be without that experience. Like I needed it. I really did. And so and then you said they transferred you to a new position next. Is that right? Yep. I did. Um, it's like probation for kids at risk youth that come out of detention. Um, and they were either on the bracelet or either it's like probation. I would go check on them, check their bracelets just to make sure they're um, going to school and at where they're supposed to be. So it was a pretty simple one. So how was that? I mean, and you don't do that position anymore, or do no. you? No. So both of those I've make up have to be very intense and you are like serving, you're making change, but also, yeah, like you said, that not all these kids like want to be changed. And so mm-hmm. how did you deal with that emotionally? Of Like every day showing up to do these and meeting these kids and like not knowing what their situation is going to be, or maybe you had hope for them and then not seeing things or like, or yeah, like how do you even talk to them or how did you approach that and keep yourself like sane? With detention, I can tell you I cried when I got off and I would talk to one of my friends about it. Um, So that's how I deal with it. Emotionally cry for it and then just go the next day. But also I just really loved hearing my students' story. Like I really take it as a badge of honor if uh, at-risk youth or youth in general opens up to you and like tells you um, their feelings because that is not it's not easy to build a relationship with them because the trust, they don't trust anybody. I so still feel honored up, when an adult that is healthy opens up to tell me their honest feelings. Like, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like we, again, we're like, everybody closes themselves off. And I'm fine. Whatever. So, yeah, that had to feel amazing, even though it was really hard stuff they likely were opening up about. Mm-hmm. It sucks because it's like you can't really... You, I, you can help, but in a certain way, but you can't help in other ways because of yeah, that. There's only you so just want to do so much, but it's just, and then some situations is I'll tell them, I'll be, it's, it's you, like you have to change. Like you have, you control your life. Truly nobody else does. Your actions 
only you can do, you know? And I would only hope in that they would change or just be motivated by me at least um, and others that were in the detention center too. And then with the probation one, um, it would just be talking because sometimes I did have to take the students into detention for violating their parole. <laughs> and just having those conversations like this is why you got brought in. I always like to give the students a reason as to why something's taking place and not just to say because this is that. I want them to give a I want to give them a reason so they learn from it. And those conversations are good too. I mean they might have ended up having to be brought in again, but I appreciate the fact when they would come with me voluntarily. <laughs> Because I do not, I do not like calling the um, police on the students. I just feel like they're too young for that. And they're, they're being kids, silly kids. <laughs> and so then what, uh, how long did you do that for? And yeah, like when you're in that position, are they also like giving you like your employer, like, are, do you have like mental health people to open up with or tools or like classes to give you? Or it's just like, oh, you went to college, do you have this or that? Because like, again, that feels like a pretty big job to have it is they do offer but i'm also guess the criminal justice system could just be like you know whatever <laughs> i don't know like how much money they're actually giving like yeah like really investing in youth mental health yeah is highly important in something that is probably not very much done still yeah um, yeah, they'll okay. offer it, but would i take it uh no no, I would just deal with it my own type of way, which is not really that healthy. And um, I just recently got a therapist and I'm so excited. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you for finally saying yes to that. So what was how long did you do uh, that position? And what was that? I after that? around at my job for the longest. So I did the detention a year. Then I did the juvenile probation for a year and then I went to supervise visitation for a year <laughs> and now I'm doing um working with students at school who don't come to school so so kids that like voluntarily don't come like they're just keep skipping school like yeah, they're just not showing students, up at school but figuring out what why they aren't because I know for a lot of students school is the least important especially like if you don't have anything to eat, if you have to take care of your siblings or if you don't even have clean clothes. Cause I know if I don't have clean clothes, I'm not coming to school to get talked about. So Right. Cause kids can be so mean about everything. <laughs> and so I'm, yeah, if your living situation at home is not ideal, like, yeah, why would you want to go to school? I mean, I'm guessing some kids might want to go. They see it as a safe space. Other people yeah, complete opposite. Yeah, that's true too. Yep. Yep. Well, those are um, the ones I work with now, dealing with why they're not coming to school. And then it's completely different because here we're doing it virtually school. So it's more of figuring why they're not showing their face online, but at school. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. So this is, again, like, yeah, all of these positions seem like amazing, necessary work, but have to be so emotionally weighing as well because like yeah you can't force the kids to show up you can't even force them to open up to mm -hmm. talk to you about why they're doing it so like 
are there ways that you try to use to like get them to open up like that, you know, that you've or have you found ways to help like break through and have them trust you? Or how do you approach these kids? Being consistent, being very consistent, talking to the parents and talking um, to them and being transparent about my life to a certain extent. Like if I can relate it to anything, like with the self-confidence part, like I always say, I was probably meant to go through that because I deal with a lot of students that struggle with self-confidence. So I just tell them, you know, my story. And I was telling them, you know, yeah, I thought I was ugly. I thought I was bad. I was very depressed. But this is how I got through it. You have to self self affirm yourself, um, speak life into yourself. Don't let anybody make you feel less than. But then they'll turn around and look at me and like, but Alexandria, you're um you're gorgeous. You didn't feel like this or something like that. But I always make it relatable. I talk about where I come from, single parent home, because that's most of them. And I sometimes talk, I'll talk about my dad issues not being there and how I deal with it, but I'm still dealing with it. So I don't bring it up as much. So I think just being relatable, because I feel if you want students to open up to you, you have to be able to open up to them because they're not just going to tell you their life story and you won't even give up anything and they don't know anything about you. So I think being relatable. Right. I mean, and I think that's, yeah, just a human level thing, too, because it can feel like you're being judged by someone else. But then, yeah, if you're sharing a part of yourself, if you're opening up, then it's mm-hmm. like creates a sort of common ground, whether it's an adult and a kid or two adults or whatever it is. So I'm totally with you on that, even though I don't need to use it in any sort of situation that's <laughs> similar. I, I'm really so inspired by you and grateful that you do this work and that there's people out there doing this work and that I'm talking to you because again like this is stuff I didn't even you know like I didn't really know of like a job like I just don't even think about these things Mm -hmm. that are so necessary and that we do need to know more about and be able to put more time and money and people in those places okay let's talk about so yeah when I saw your name account and went to it then I first, most of it's about foster mm-hmm. care and foster care empowerment. So what what made you, is that from the p- kids that you're working with that you started to become more interested in foster kids and stuff? Or where did your, where did that come from? Um, that comes from one of my good friends being in foster care um, when we were in high school. It's weird to explain because she was going through foster care and she would tell me what she was going through. And I wasn't really thinking about it back then. Like, why does she have to do all this stuff? And she's in foster care. She should be taken care of because she has foster parents and they do that type of stuff. And then also when we went to college together, just um, her going, she wrote a whole letter to the the dean of the college. I think that's what the head person is called of a college. I think just expressing that there should be specific programs and the resources and assistance for foster alums that want to get a higher education so that they can succeed. Because she was fortunate to be able to do all those things, but I think it was just her being um, self-motivated and self-driven 
and knowing what she wants and how to accomplish it and figure it out. But the dean of students never responded back to her. And then also with getting into when I started doing supervised business, I'm, I was just like, there's a lot of resources for foster parents where I'm at, where I'm at. And I started to look up resources for youth in foster care and that are aging out. And there's nothing at all. And so that's honestly what motivated me because I feel, I do believe that everyone deserves an opportunity to be successful, to have access to opportunities and access to resources to be able to succeed. You shouldn't just be thrown out into the world with nothing. Yeah. So when you said age out that that's like, so if you are in foster care and living with a foster family, is it like you turn 18 and then they can just be like, okay, like that's it. Like they're done. Yes. Like aged out. So just like they're gone. They don't have any home. They don't have like government support. Like, do they really have nothing? Um, well, during COVID, they extended it, luckily, because yeah (laughs) but but generally yeah let's pretend we're um, not in covid so what happens if a kid's in foster care they turn 18 they try to figure it out they hand them um how to apply for assistance but i do believe that keeps them in poverty versus handing them a college application hey let's figure this out oh hey this is where you can get a job let me go get you this job or Stuff where they can be self-efficient rather than relying on the government and staying in that poverty line. And some of the times they end up homeless right after aging out. One in five foster youth become homeless after they age out of foster care. And then also sex trafficking are prostituting just to be able to survive. There's a lot. There's a lot. Or either they go back to the parents. and be with them. In some cases, it could be a good thing. In other cases, it's not because it's another trauma going back to what got you taken right. away. Right. So those situations where they're in foster care because child services or someone was like, mm-hmm. you are unfit to raise your kids. So they are in the foster care system. Then they turn 18 and then go find their parents and mm-hmm. with them, which, yeah, can be not. There were reasons they got taken away that are likely still existing. I do want to say that I am not a foster alum. I'm just the activist for the change within the foster care system. And I always say that foster alums are the experts in that questions should be asking them or they should be given the platform to train even foster parents coming in because they know what they didn't like and what they did like, what worked and didn't work. And also with going, because you mentioned the parents, when I'm when I was doing supervised visits, a lot of the reasons it says in Wisconsin statutes, I think that's what it's called, or the law that a children can't be taken away because of poverty. Um, but it then conflicts because mom, let's for example, mom can't feed her kids because she's not making enough money and she's just scraping by. And I consider that to be poverty, but others might consider it neglect. And instead of, hey, let's go purchase you some food or figure out what we can do to get you to a higher income level, 
so the children don't go without food. They just automatically take the children away and it's just traumatizing them even more as soon as they get taken away and go into foster care. And then um, youth that are- Which is at foster care, then the government is paying- money right so it's they could just be helping the families yes that money that goes with to the foster parents are the other resources the contracts within the government could go to assisting birth parents and making sure that they can succeed with parenting because some most of the times it wasn't a parenting a lack of parenting it was just the lack of funds Honestly. Lack of resources. Mm -hmm. It's me, Trisha, bringing you a brief interruption from this week's sponsor, Blissoma. I am so excited to tell you guys about this brand. They offer healthy, sustainable personal care products that are intelligently designed and deeply supportive of the human body and help address, and improve complex skin challenges in a holistic way. Skincare products. But these are the most legit. You guys, I went clean and green and all natural with my skincare products over 10 years ago, and it made a great difference in my skin. But it also, over the years, more and more brands have come out, which is amazing, but it's also gotten more and more confusing to figure out what is being like greenwashed, what even is all natural and what they're just like, you know, putting that branding on. This brand is legit and I've been using it for weeks now and I really truly see a change in my skin. Like I've never seen anything happen like this in my skin so fast. I'm not like a skin person. I look in the mirror and I'm like, wow, my pores really got smaller wow, my skin really is brighter. Wow. (laughs) Like I am in shock daily. I love, love, love this brand. Go check them out. They are really supportive. Again, they want you to make sure that you're buying products that actually work for your skin. So they are interactive with the customer. Go to blissoma.com. The link will be in the show notes. And they've given me a code, claim it. That's it. Use claim it. Forget 20% off all facial serums and oils. I'm using Aura, the brightening serum, and Restore, the facial oil, along with some other products of theirs. And seriously, I'm not, you know me, I'm not bullshitting you. I am obsessed with this brand. And I'm so excited to introduce it to you guys. So please go check it out and feel free to DM me. But probably DM me. They they know more than they know more than me. But I'm happy to let you know what I'm using in my experience. All right, let's get back to the episode. So you were inspired originally from one of your friends in school, and then from doing these visits. So how did yeah? Like so, what did you what what do you do, and how did you start, and like what is your your overall mission and what you're wanting to do with it right now? I'm sure everything always evolves, but. Should I start from the beginning of doing it? Yeah, go for it. (laughs) I was originally the the build-up program, and it was like, oh, I'm going to build up foster youth to be the best they can be. And then I changed it to um, foster youth empowerment because I said, okay, people will know what this is versus 
build-up programs. And um, I felt that foster youth could find it if they were Googling, like, resources for yeah. foster youth or what can I do as a foster youth. And my goal for foster youth empowerment is just to empower foster youth where they're the focus, empowering them, giving them resources, skills, building confidence, even with um, helping foster parents learn ethnic care. Because, well, for me as a Black woman, my hair is everything. If my hair is not together, I'm not in the mood for anything. And then my vision is to have a building that's run by foster alums for current youth in foster care and aging out so that they can help each other. And I also just want to change the foster care system because there's a lot wrong in it, I believe, that could be easily addressed. But um, I know money plays a big part because it's a billion dollar industry, which I don't even know how that happens, but I always just imagine what those funds were going to birth parents and then the youth that were aging out of foster care to actually have like a college savings account. So that's my vision. That's my end goal, but I'm sure it will evolve. Yeah. And how long ago did you first start it with the build it up with how you first started it? I did it three years ago. And I can say I've started taking it more serious and being more consistent and putting myself out there this year. Well, no, last year of July. And yeah. And so since you were like clear, you were not in the foster system, you don't have foster kids. So what do you do? Like, are you sharing things like from your experience with foster kids that you work from sharing other like, you know, stories from that? Like, yeah. What is your, how do you go about like what you're sharing and what you're trying to bring awareness to and teach? I get a lot of my information. I'll just do research, um, find statistics and I'll post that just to educate myself and others to make them aware. And it also, comes from me um, as a Black woman, what I would need as a Black child growing up. So if they are with a, in a transracial family. And also a lot of information comes from hashtag foster care. I know I emailed you about them, but a lot of my information comes from her too. Her name is Kevin, and she brings a lot of awareness. So getting information from foster alums, just doing my research, and then also from one of my good friends that I grew up with. And I think I always just think about what I needed growing up as well and what I couldn't live without. And um, speaking of how the hair and that, yeah, I've seen you like share and like, do you have um like courses, right? Yes. Or something on, on like teaching for like how to do black hair. Is that how you? Yeah, I'm like I'm not trying to. I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, I'm like, I don't want to be saying anything like. <laughs> and then I was like, did I say that? Or you could just say ethnic hair too. It doesn't matter. Um, I do offer one-on-one classes for foster parents or even adoptive parents that have children with ethnic hair that they just want to learn the basics of, and I'll teach them the products, a style they can do on a mannequin virtually. Um. I think, did I already say recommended products? 
Yeah. So like um, salons they can go to, I'll research that for them wherever they're located. And I think that's it. I go into detail a lot about it when you take yeah. to answer any questions you may have. I've definitely thought about that. I have um, friends that were trying, you know, to try to have their own kid for years and then had adoption. And yeah, they did, ended up um, with a beautiful black baby. Yeah, black baby. <laughs> so I've noticed when you see your hair, I'm like, been like, oh, I maybe I better send them <laughs> this link just because I'm like, it's again, it's something that like, well, especially me, I'm not the one like, oh, I was like, oh, to think mm-hmm. about it. I was like, oh, yeah, like, of course, like learning about that stuff. Are there other things that people, you know, wouldn't think about whether they were foster parents or adoptive parents or, you know, yeah, mixed interracial families that like stuff that if you're non-black, especially white, that you wouldn't think about and like raising kids or taking care of kids. Um, I would say the necessity is like necessary to keep them connected to their community and culture. Just with talking to um, foster alums and even adoptees, they always mention like adoptees that were adopted by uh, white families, that the lack of black people around them, they felt it. It wasn't like invisible to them. And um, just they always felt something was missing. And then when they got older and they were able to just leave on their own and go into communities that were full of black people, they felt like, I don't want to say at one, but like, this is where I should be. This is what I've been missing all my life. I would just say like, I know a lot of parents love their children, but it's like, you have to do more than that. Just keep them culturally connected. Keeping their hair done (laughs) is a must. (laughs) Um, Going to, I would say go to, I say every little black girl has to experience the salon, a black salon. Cause there's like nothing like it. You may be in there. You will be in there forever. Um, I was, I was like, from what I, (laughs) I do not miss those days. But it's like it's just an experience you can't really get anywhere else. And it's just because I'm smiling about like it really is the best experience. Even though you'll be in there forever, it's just like oh, she's doing her hair like this, the gossip, the everything, and even in. A black barber, it's the same thing, like, um, from my husband, because I don't go in there. You just learn so much. You talk about guy stuff. It's just guys in there. So what age would you say starting at for, you know, like, yeah, if you're raising a young girl or boy to, like, be taking them to the salon? Um, I would say 10. 10. I think that's when they can really handle it. Um, do you know what being tenderheaded is? Yes. Okay. So I would, yeah. But you could explain it for people that don't. So tenderheaded is. <laughs> I was like, it feels like it's somewhat self explanatory. <laughs> tenderheaded is when, like, you're very sensitive to your hair getting done. Like, your scalp is very sensitive. And I promise that the child isn't in pain because I know foster parents, they get concerned because the kid is crying, but they're not in pain. Trust me. It's just a sensitive 
scalp. And once it's all done, you'll see this smile on their face and they're looking in the mirror, doing flipping hair. So I say 10 for girls. Okay. What is there anything else that you want to share or say that I haven't asked? What about either, any of your job or your life or what you're passionate about? This is a tricky question. That's not a tricky question. I know. Well, I know. It is kind of big. I was just trying to think if there were anything I missed that what you were saying in what you were saying. I just I do feel like youth in foster care are the like forgotten people. And I can speak from Wisconsin. When I talk about foster care to people, it's just like, oh, I forgot about that. And I don't think that's a good thing. And I just want people to be more aware of it and start taking action for youth in foster care. Um, yeah, that's what I was just thinking when you started to say that. What can, yeah, as like someone, I'm not prepared to be a I don't, you know, foster parent. Uh, I don't know anybody was that, but yeah, like. It is. I've no, yeah. Mm-hmm. I hadn't like I said. I didn't think about it until I saw your account name, and I was like, oh, "What? Right? Foster care? What oh. is it? What can we do?" I'm sorry. Just, to- <laughs> just a short little question. <laughs> simple question. <laughs> what, I have what to bring to up um, hashtag foster care because she does everything okay. that can be done. Okay. Um, she has fundraisers. She she does action. And she'll go to the projects or like go to a group home is where foster foster youth are and interact with them. Bring them a pizza party just to make them feel good. Like get some type of interaction or activity or she'll even get clothes donated so they can have name brand clothing. Because in foster care, you just get used clothes the majority of the time. And who like there's no, I love a thrift store, but <laughs> who wants to use clothes all the time, repeatedly, nothing new, nothing that's theirs that they can call their own. Advocating and clothes food. just get so worn out. Yes, it's not yes. even like, oh, this was lightly used. <laughs> and growing this is a designer pair of jeans that was worn twice. It's not like that. <laughs> And I think just advocating on a political level, too, because even when I go to our state capital and talk with um, our, my legislator, I hate saying that, and my representative, just to be like, this is what youth in foster care need. This is what they're going to. They're even, they don't know. So I stay going to that level as well. But I think it's just a lot of action. Um, for me, is collaborating with those in the community to do the pizza parties at group homes are just showing up and collaborating with i'm collaborating with a store that sells clothes to give like a vip experience for youth in foster care to just go shopping you can get your hygienics socks undergarments and just go crazy and i'm so thankful for the lady helping me do that um so I think it's just those little actions. Yeah, it's like, why are- isn't some like big brand <laughs> chain? What? Yeah, let's. I'm like, let's get on that. <laughs> Anybody listening? Come on, let's do some things out there. But yeah, that's such a great idea. Is how? 
Is it as simple as like, so how if somebody, no matter where they are, is listening, finding like if they are like, okay, I want to, you know, do a pizza party or something like that or try to arrange an event. Is it simple as like Googling fosters, like foster Um, home in your town or not? Is that stuff sort of like private? Like how would even like we go about trying to find local? I Googled and it came up because I believe that it's like government public information like where the shelters are because they work for the government at least for Wisconsin so I have a list of um shelters and group homes and um I think Google or even going to your local child welfare agency and just hey I want to do a pizza party well with COVID it's kind of a sticky situation but right you have to think of different delivered or right like I said or either just taking that chance and doing it during COVID Cause like I guess hashtag foster care does it through a pandemic. That's how much it means to her. And I just think they really do. Cause I think of foster during COVID, like how scary is that? And I've heard of the stories. Not one of those people, I wish I could help everybody financially, but I can't. And then it's like a lot of foster loans have been getting evicted and that sucks. Cause it's just them by themselves. Yeah. I can't imagine. I hope that answers the question. (laughs) No, it did. And I know that you're not like have all the answers, but it's so funny because we know we can find everything on Google, but don't you at this at the same time, there often feels like, oh, no, it can't be that easy. You know, well, also, I don't some things are buried in private. Yeah. But when you're thinking when just now when you were talking, I looked down and I saw I have this own your awesome deck for my it's an affirmation deck for my product line. And I was like, could I find a foster home and drop off affirmation decks for everybody a lot of foster homes say they always love affirmations that's why i always try to put them up like yeah i want to find i'm going to do that i'm gonna figure out something local and bring yeah old like yeah old art prints that i have and stuff like that and just whatever that would make me even if like people that do um sex trafficking the people that have experienced it and now they advocate for it and do the knowledge for it because a lot of sex trafficking victims majority of them come from foster care like even if a person does that that's their expertise i would highly recommend them going into these homes and shelters so they know the signs of getting groomed or if another girl that has left the group home is coming to recruit them because a lot of them they don't know and they're looking for like that sense of family this person loves me is going to take care of me and they don't know the grooming process so even just doing that donating your time with that or even getting paid to do it (laughs) or but i think that donating your time to to what to go talk to them of just to make them aware of that is what what are you saying yeah just to go to a group home with foster youth and just to educate them on it because a lot of them just don't know the signs and i feel that if they know the signs or how to look out for it then right would be getting sex trafficked or missing or considered a runaway so very true Okay. Well, you've inspired me and hopefully you've inspired some other people listening out there. Send us some DMs (laughs) and let us know. (laughs) Brainstorm ideas and...
All right. I'm going to get to the question I ask everybody. Oh, first is, speaking of my product line, these are phrases that are on keychains that I sell. These are what the keychains look like. And so I ask everybody to pick not necessarily which phrase they like the most, but which one they would like in their life as a reminder right now and why, because I will be sending you the keychain. I'm going to go with the first one that stuck out to me is I am a badass. All right. (laughs) And why is that one speaking to you, Um, do you think? Because I need to know that these days and I sometimes will go in a room and make myself smaller. And I know I'm a freaking badass. I know I'm like, I'm sorry, we can't cuss on <laughs> We can. I'm sure I are. I'm sure I have. <laughs> um, and I just, I know I'm the shit and I, I just need to own that for real. And I know that what I'm doing is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I just know it's going to empower a lot of people. So I just need yes. to own my badassness. <laughs> yes. Awesome. I'm excited to send that to you. Thank you. What is something that you do to raise your joy levels? So something, you know, it could be anything from like listening to a song, calling a friend, anything, you know, big or small that you do when you want to shift your mood. Maybe you're feeling down after meeting Uh, with somebody or. I listen to gospel music. That gets me so happy. And then I start cleaning while I'm listening to the gospel music. So gospel music um, and the song that gets me the most is Smile by Kirk Franklin. So that's the one that'll get me. Love it. All right. I have this phrase I ask everyone to apply to their own life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. So how can you, where, where can you think of to apply that? What is easiest for me is to do blank. What is best for me is to blank. What is easiest for me? Oh my Um, it's like a habit, a way of being that you normally that you you know you are. Is to not speak up. Um, but it's best for me to speak up <laughs> and speak loud and have my voice heard. Yes, I hope, and that I was don't correct. think you're alone. That yes, that was perfect, and I'm sure that resonated with lots of other people listening because that's common. And that it is as hard and as scary as it can be, it really yep. makes such a difference and is necessary. Otherwise, it's just like sitting in you rotting. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I hate when I speak up, I get this like nervous, shaky. <laughs> thing that goes on with my voice but after I'm just like okay yeah that was a rush remind yourself I'm a badass but it's all right nervousness shakiness happens that doesn't mean that you're not a badass you can be nervous and shaky and that's so true that's so true Okay, the final question is the name of the podcast is Claim It because I believe that our feelings of being worthy enough, fulfilled, successful, lovable, 
whatever it is, are not outside of us somewhere. Once I have this, do this, be this, then, then I'll feel it. You might for a little fleeting, but I believe it's something that we have to claim for ourselves every single day, sometimes every moment of the day. <laughs> so what are you claiming for yourself right now, Alexandria? <laughs> um, I'm claiming that I am where I'm supposed to be and I'm going where I'm supposed to go and that I am doing what God has called me to do. Yes, I love it. And again, thank you so much for doing what you've been called to do and putting yourself out there and standing up for people that not many people are standing up for Mm -hmm. and strengthening them and empowering them. And like I said, You've inspired me to I'm not not going to be doing nearly as much as you, but I'm like if I can what if I can send something mm-hmm. to even one person and by I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you the deck. I'm going to send you extras and you can give them to whoever you want to give them to. Thank <laughs> like, you. Thank <laughs> you. That's always the goal cuz I really believe though like that sign that one act of kindness like it'll mean a lot to them. I really do, especially the affirmations. That's a big deal. Yeah. Well, I hope, yeah, I hope it makes any, any impact at all. And that's, I mean, even, yeah, everything makes a difference. We act like we can't do enough or people don't have a big enough platform or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. you can touch one person. That's huge. If like what you say and you do like affects one person, it's so, so, so big. And so that is what I Every day I'm trying mm-hmm. to focus on. Like, of course, we all want to change the world. <laughs> but that's with individual people. That's with individual people. The world is made up of individual people. So focus on that. And when we feel like we're not doing enough, that like the sm- that's the thing too. Feeling like you're not doing enough or like it, there's so much to be done stops us for doing anything. So it's like I'm about to be like, oh, me giving decks to one home isn't enough. So I just better not do anything. Like mm-hmm. that's the stupid stuff that stops us. Right. Yep. Yep. Sorry, I'm like yelling at myself. <laughs> like, <run>. That's true. <laughs> that's true. I- but that's what and in life we feel like we're not doing enough or it's not going to make a big enough impact. So we don't do anything. But it's like it it could make if like if whatever if one person reads one card in the deck and it all of a sudden like empowers them to do something differently in their life then that's amazing that's so So. true that's so true because i'm always feeling like i'm not doing enough and it's just like you you are you have to tell yourself you are like you're one person and just take your time and i have to tell myself that all the time because i always feel like oh my god this isn't enough but it, it is for the time being well, and we also don't really know the ripple effect of what you're doing. You know, you could see somebody in the grocery store today and like give them a compliment or something and it ends up like changing their day and how they see about themselves. But we don't know that. Yeah. So like you're likely you're feeling like you don't have enough. When meanwhile, like there's probably tons of kids out there that are like, she changed my life. And you don't know that. Like some people will tell you yeah. and some won't. <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Because there's so. a lot of people that changed my life, but I never told them. Maybe I should. <laughs> Same. Let's everybody. Let's start calling. Them for like, okay, do all the little acts. Go tell everybody. Thank you for everything. Even the mean people. No. Like, 
All right. Thank you so, so, so much. Um, yeah, I'm super inspired by you and I hope we stay in contact and yes. let me know if you ever need support and yeah, share about it and do what I can. Thank you. All right. I hope that you guys enjoyed listening to this episode with Alexandria. I hope that she inspired you in some way. She's definitely inspired me to look at how can I support local foster homes and what can I do? We can make a difference as one individual. Um, yeah, I really love talking to her. To learn more about her and um, things we mentioned, full show notes will be at yourjoyologist.com slash podcast. And you can find links to every episode there. She is at exandriawile.com. That link will be in the show notes. You can find her at social media. That's how I discovered her at Foster the Youth Foster Youth Empowerment. And um, she has an account under her own name as well. Again, those will be linked. Thank you guys for listening. Please, if anything is connecting with you, share about the episode, tag us, feel free to DM me, to DM my guests. I love hearing from you. I would really love if you haven't yet to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That means so much to me and helps the podcast become more discoverable. And if you do leave a review, you can screenshot it and send it to podcast at yourjoyologist.com. And I'll send you a little gift from my product line because I really am grateful for every single review and every share on social media and every note and everything. So I love having these conversations and I really, truly hope that you guys are getting something from them. So when you send me a message, when you leave a note, when you leave a review, it really does mean a lot. Okay. Final thought. What can you do right now today to make a difference in someone's life? Maybe it's, you know, Googling a foster care that's local to you. Maybe it's sending a text message right now to someone that you love, acknowledging them, sending them a love note. Remember, little things mean a lot. And us as one person can have a large impact on people. And you never know what that will be. Changing a smile, giving a compliment, saying I love you. Little things matter. All right, go spread love and be love out in the world and claim your joy, your worth, your value, your success right now.